Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, everyone. I'm Ryan Nobles. I'm Rebecca Berg. And I'm Harry Enton. And this is The Forecast with Harry Enton. That was great. Great start, everybody. Uh, this is our first podcast. Uh, we're so happy that you joined us. We've got uh, so much to talk about over the next few weeks as we head into the midterm elections. The point here is to keep you updated on what's happening. Uh, from now right up until Election Day, we're going to focus on what races to watch, bring you the latest news, analysis on the voters, the candidates, and of course, Harry's favorite part, the polls. Harry, you love a good poll. I, I, you know, I have to... Now that we are starting anew, I have an admission for the audience. I have been lying to you this entire time. I actually don't like the polls very much. In fact, I wish for the wow. polls to die, die a, in a fire. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you, ah. you love a poll. I mean, I where would you polls. be without polls, Harry? Uh, probably in the gutter somewhere. Rebecca, what's your favorite part of elections? My, other than the polls, you mean, which we all love deeply. I love going out there and just talking to regular American people, Ryan, right, like right. all of us. Yeah, like, like all of us. Uh, right. I, I actually don't like people, but that's, that's for another <laughs> that's discussion. That's why you look at the numbers. Exactly. I deal yeah. with the people. That's why you love the polls, because you don't like the people. That's right. I let other people talk to them, and then I just do some analysis. Right. Okay. So we've got a lot to talk about in this first episode. Uh, we are discussing the Kavanaugh confirmation, how it might impact the midterm election, especially the fight for the House, because that's where the real battle could take place in November. But before we get to that, we're going to kick off the show with a game. You guys like games, don't you? Ooh, only if I win, though. <laughs> uh, if I only like games that I win, I'd be a... I'd be in a bad place given the uh, Buffalo Bills. <laughs> so, what are the? Are we establishing any stakes in this game? Oh, right. Like, do you want to? Do you want to put something down on this? This is my bet, as always. I want the Wendy's, the four for four, my spicy chicken sandwich hack. I will buy the winner. If it's me, then I buy it for myself. But if I lose, <laughs> I will buy someone else the Wendy's. Four for four, and you can even tack on the extra 50-cent Frosty if you want it. Yes. Wendy's Are you good with that? Are you willing to buy a, a Harry the Wendy's if it comes to that? Absolutely. And do you want I'm the Wendy's in return? In. or you? I might donate it to someone else you if, might if it comes to that. Rebecca's healthy. I, I am. Shocking that Rebecca's not a Wendy's mm-hmm. person. Harry is working on it, but we're not quite there <laughs> By the yet. end of this podcast. All right. The name of this segment is Don't Quote Me on That. All right? And the rules are very simple. I'm going to read a quote inspired by the news of the week, and then you guys are going to tell me if it's real or something I just made up. And by that, I mean something that our producers uh, made up. (laughs) Yes. All right. Three quotes. Are you guys ready for this? Hit me. Your phones are off. Phones are off. Yes. I got nothing. No Googling. All right. So here it is. The first one. And so I will say to these witnesses, these human beings, we owe both of you a sincere apology. An apology is inadequate, of course, but it's a start. Is this true? Is this an actual quote or did I make it up? Are you going to tell us who this is supposed yes. to be? So this is supposed to be from a Republican senator to both Brett Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford one day prior to the Senate hearing last Thursday. Hmm. 
Real quote, or did I make it up? A Republican apologizing to both of them. Who's going to go first? Harry? Uh, I, I feel like I heard that. I feel like I did, but I could just be crazy. But that's why this game is so hard. I know. It's, maybe I know. It they're was, breaking us out. Ah, so maybe our producers it was a are Democrat. very good at, at sending you down the wrong I, direction. I bet they're going to get us on something small here. Uh, but I'm going to say it's true. Okay. Rebecca's going with true. Harry? I, th- I, I also believe it is true. All right. So this is just like Big Brother. Uh, if you guys both uh, select the same thing, nothing really changes. Either of you watch Big Brother? No? Uh, I, on I, on I actually yeah. was reading the Wikipedia on it. Yeah. That's I, almost the same as watching. Yeah. <laughs> Very similar. Like almost years, identical. Right? Yeah, it's been on for a long time. It's our my wife and I's guilty pleasure. All right. You both say it's true. Okay. This is how we're going to break this tie. It is true. So you both oh. get a point out of this, but we're going to give a bonus point if you can tell me which... Republican senator said it. Lindsey Graham. Okay, so Rebecca's going to say Lindsey Graham. She looks awfully confident in saying Lindsey Graham. Yeah, you so, got to pick someone different, though. The, what, why? Because <laughs> I might have said Lindsey. You might have. But well, you got to you got to push the button first, Harry. Exactly. That's how this game works. <laughs> well, assuming I'm going to lose, then I'm I'm go- I'm going to say then Chuck Grassley. But I think it is Lindsey Graham. Chuck Gra- You're both wrong. Oh. oh, it was Jeff Flake. Oh, come on, you got to. But I but I was to... so confident. Jeff Doesn't Flake, that count for anything? The confidence does matter to me, but on a personal level. But I mm. unfortunately I can't award any points based on Jeff that. Flake makes sense. Yeah, I mean Jeff Flake is the one that's trying to have it both ways, right? That is trying to appease the conservative base on this, but at the same time offer up some sort of sympathy for Dr. Ford. So that's why uh, Hmm. that quote from him makes sense. So you both get a point, and that's it uh, for round one. Here's round two, your next quote. The allegations she raised are serious, and they deserve to be treated with respect, and I hope that she comes and has a full opportunity to tell her story in a respectful way. Was this Kellyanne Conway in an interview with CNN's own Jake Tapper on an appearance on State of the Union uh, last weekend. Oh, that sounds like a talking point that was uttered by literally a million different people in Washington. It's a really specific. It really, it really could be anyone. I'll say true for that. Okay, Rebecca's going true. Well, Here. I know that um, Kellyanne Conway was in our dear friend Jake Tapper's show, and she spoke very respectfully. Um, but for some reason, I want to say it's not true. Not true. Okay. Harry's right this time. Uh, this is a real quote, but it was made by Senator Ted Cruz responding to questions about the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing and the allegations of sexual assault made by Dr. Ford during his first debate uh, with his Democratic opponent, Beto O'Rourke, which, of course, uh, and this is going to get into our conversation later in the show, an example, perhaps, of how this is playing in the midterms, right? That's right. Big issue in the Senate races, of course, and also the point I'll make later, House races. Right. Is it Beto or Beto? Uh, Beto. It's Beto. I've been it's saying like, Beto this entire It's like time. Roberto, except... But I've his name's Robert. For, for a four-letter word, I've heard so many different pronunciations, right, right. you wouldn't expect well, it to and, be and so Well, to a certain extent, he's reaching mythical status, so ho- however you want to say his he's, name. He's, right? fly, he's, he's electoral <laughs> Jesus right now, flying <laughs> into the clouds as he spreads his wings and people oh, are gosh. reminded of the Kennedy. We're going, to, we're going to get a call after the show from Ted Cruz's campaign. Exactly. Hashtag electoral Jesus. <laughs> That's going to carry. All right, last one for this round. This represents good and America becoming whole again. We will no longer outsource to other countries. We will build factories here in America and create jobs. Was that President Trump speaking to supporters during a rally in West Virginia over the weekend? Harry's got to go first this time. Yes. All right. Well, since 
Harry is in the lead. Yes, he I is. have to say no to uh, to try to make a comeback. To, to, to try and tie it up. He's up two to one. Uh, Rebecca's right this time. Uh, yes. So my strategy I, works. We need to break the tie here. Two two. Now this is a real quote. And I'm going to read the rest of it for you. We will provide jobs for all who are free from prisons, and we will abolish the 13th Amendment message sent with love. So it wasn't President Trump, but somebody did say this, and it was recent. Who was it? Sent from, we're going to abolish the 13th Amendment. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let me, I'll, I'll give you this hint. I mean, this person a... is not a politician, at least not yet. Like, really not a politician. <laughs> Does he? It, it, is it Kanye West? Rebecca gets it. Kanye West on Saturday Night Live yes. this weekend following his controversial performance in his Make America Great Again hat. Uh, yeah, that was Kanye West. You guys missed wow. that? Did you not see it? Uh, the only thing I saw heard about SNL was that Pete Davidson made some statements that he shouldn't have been making. Yeah, I have to confess I'm the worst millennial. I just can't stay up that late most nights. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that means that Rebecca is owed... From Harry, Wendy's, which is Wendy's. What's it? A four pack? A four for four. You get four four. items for four dollars, including. You you shouldn't have pressed him on this. Four piece chicken nuggets, a small fries, and a sandwich. You can also upgrade within that plan if you'd like to a medium or large fries. Perfect. (laughs) And Rebecca can. Does she have the ability to upgrade given that incredible first episode win? Yes, she can. She can upgrade. You know, upgrade to the large will run me back six dollars, which will make it as expensive as everything on the menu from Taco Bell. But we're a team, so maybe we'll just all split we'll it. Share. Maybe yeah, we can all enjoy. Nice? We're all coming together. All right, Aww. we're going to talk more uh, about uh, the Kavanaugh hearing, how this could affect what happens in November. Uh, Rebecca's written a great piece uh, about the, the house races, uh, which could uh, be one of the places where we see this play out uh, in the American public. We're going to do all that and more after this very short break. Thank you so much for listening to The Forecast. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for listening to The Forecast with Harry Enton. Uh, Rebecca, last week, uh, along with our colleague Dan Merica, uh, you reported about the Kavanaugh confirmation process, most notably that Dr. Christine Blasey Ford's accusations against Judge Kavanaugh, her testimony before the Senate last Thursday, could have a pretty big impact on these House races, uh, and maybe by design by Democrats uh, to a certain extent. Uh, and I want to urge our listeners who may not have read Rebecca's piece, go check it out on CNN.com, um, at, but wait until you're done listening to the podcast. Or you could multitask. You could but, just bring it up on the phone while it's still going. But we will save you the dramatic reading yes. and give you the most important points Exactly, the and, and please don't read it if you're still driving in your car. <laughs> Let's talk about a couple of the points from the piece and discuss them. Um, the first point you make, and I'm going to quote your piece. Um, so. By all means. I hope I can do due diligence here. You write, quote, the fight for the House is taking place in suburban districts in states like California, Pennsylvania, and New York. Now, these are areas with high proportions of college-educated women who could be particularly moved by Ford's allegations and her emotional testimony to the Senate. And let me give you my own anecdote to kind of play into your reporting on this. One of my jobs, a family man, four kids, walk the kids to school every morning, and I'm in a one of these suburban districts outside of Washington, D.C. Right. A, a lot of other moms walking their kids uh, to the bus stop. So you have a focus group every exactly. morning. Exactly. I'm focused. They all know I work at CNN. And one of the moms stopped me the day of the hearing. She's like, today's a big day. I'm going to watch the hearing. And then I saw her on the, the walk home as well. And she had watched everything. She was super in tune to what happened. I'm not going to 
reveal her thoughts on it. Um, but uh, evidence, I think, that this is an issue that people that may not necessarily pay uh, that close attention to politics like we do are paying attention to, and this could have a big impact on these races. Absolutely. So one strategist who I spoke with for this story, Doug Thornell, he's a Democrat, used to work for the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee on the House side, was telling me that this is the sort of major political moment, major television moment that transcends the Senate, first of all, which Mm -hmm. is why we're talking about this in the context of House races, but also stands out among all of the other political noise we're hearing, the country sort of took a pause last week to watch this hearing and digest it together. In fact, the reporting of our colleague Brian Stelter found that on average, at any point during this hearing, roughly 20% of American households were tuned in to this on television sets. Mm-hmm. So that's not even counting people who were watching this online, people mm-hmm. who were watching the commentary on Twitter, like I know many of us were. Uh, and so this was indeed a moment uh, that cut through the other noise we're hearing in advance of the midterms. And of course, we're only a few weeks away from the midterm elections. In some states, people are already voting early and absentee. Uh, and so this is a moment that could have a major impact. But with women in particular, uh, I see this, and based on conversations I was having with strategists, this could really have an outsized impact on the House side. Mm-hmm. Of course, these House Republicans who are running don't have a vote on this. They will never have a say in whether uh, Christine Blasey Ford's testimony sinks Brett Kavanaugh's nomination. Uh, but They are being tied just to the Republican Party in general on this. And the suburban districts where the House battles are being fought uh, are really going to be decided in part by these suburban women who, uh, in large part, were already opposed to Brett Kavanaugh's nomination, could be even more energized after these hearings. And Harry, put that into context for us from an analytical standpoint. Is it reinforcing how people already feel about this issue? Does it motivate them more to go to the polls? What is is a big moment like this? How does that impact uh, voters' uh, participation in an election like this? Yeah, so let's just talk about the numbers in general, right? We know that Brett Kavanaugh is not well-liked. The Quinnipiac poll that came out on Monday showed him only 42% of voters nationwide said he should be confirmed versus 48% who said he shouldn't be. There was a gender gap there with women by an 18-point margin saying he should not be confirmed. Men, on the other hand, by a nine-point margin said he should. But it's it's more than that. If you break it down into those individual House districts, what you see, for instance, look at uh, California's 45th district. It's right around Irvine, California. Mimi Walters is running for re-election. It's a district that Hillary Clinton did fairly well in. And what do we see? We see something pretty similar, whereby, again, more voters are saying that they oppose the confirmation of Kavanaugh then support it. I'm not sure, however, and this is the key difference, I'm not sure necessarily how much of a motivating factor it Mm -hmm, is. mm -hmm. President Trump is already quite unpopular. His numbers are actually worse than these Kavanaugh numbers are. Um, And independents tend to feel a lot less strongly about this than partisans do. And of course, independents, although we have somewhat of a misunderstanding of who exactly they are, they tend to be the voters who are most up for grabs. And I would finally point out that I think many of the people who are motivated most by this issue were already probably motivated to begin with Mm -hmm. based upon the numbers that I'm seeing, but it certainly doesn't hurt Democrats. I mean, it's certainly better for their electoral fortunes that Kavanaugh is unpopular than popular. Right. 
Uh, but, right. but go ahead, Rebecca. Yeah. Well, I was going to say that uh, Harry raises an interesting point here that could this possibly not matter because these women who would be energized by these hearings, by Kavanaugh, were already not going to vote for Republicans and indeed support Democrats in this election. That is what I heard from some Republicans on this issue. One Republican strategist put it to me this way. It was incredibly blunt. I was surprised, said the women are already gone for us. We're all about our base right now. And so for them, they feel like this doesn't really shift their strategy because they already counted on many of these suburban women being uh, against them in this election. But that really underscores what a big problem Republicans are going to have because in, they need these women. I, I think that's exactly right. They're losing. Yeah, <laughs> they're losing. And then all of a sudden you're saying, oh, OK, this won't make us necessarily lose by any more. But if you look at the individual House district polls, you look at the generic congressional ballot, you look at President Donald Trump's standing, they would all forecast that the Democrats would take over the House of Representatives. And so something that doesn't necessarily hurt you isn't necessarily a good thing. Right. Because if it's merely reinforcing the current political environment, then that's bad. It's like saying we're already so bad off. We can't be any worse off than we are. Uh, so what does it matter? So what, then I guess the next question is, does it have a potential boomerang effect where Republicans are all of a sudden woken up to the reality of the situation, that they could lose potentially the House, maybe even the Senate, and they see who they view as being a good man in Judge Brett Kavanaugh uh, being unfairly dragged through the mud by Democrats who, and you know, the Republicans have done a pretty effective job of, of claiming that Dianne Feinstein has handled this in an underhanded way. Uh, you know, Michael Steele actually uh, talked about this, uh, Rebecca, and, and you talked to him about this. I mean, what, what's his perspective on this? Can Republicans actually find a way, even if the Kavanaugh nomination goes down, maybe even more if the Kavanaugh nomination goes down, that this could be something to really get that base on? All about that base, as you said before. Well, I'll address first this issue of just motivating the base. Let's pretend for a moment that his nomination proceeds. Mm-hmm. He's confirmed at some point before the election. Uh, Republicans still feel that this could be a motivator for their base. And I think a big part of this is the gender gap that we're already seeing. So a historic gender gap that we've seen so far in this election with women supporting Democrats and men supporting Republicans. So the theory among Republicans is that men who are already supporting them wouldn't necessarily be turned off by these hearings and might in fact be energized. Anecdotally, I spoke with a number of Republican men after these hearings and during these hearings, and they saw a themselves sort of in Brett Kavanaugh. They could relate to what he was going through Mm -hmm. because they thought, well, if I were falsely accused of sexual assault, of sexual misconduct, then of course I would be enraged. I would be upset. I would be acting exactly like he is. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in a way that many women who are watching might have related to Dr. Ford, men were able in some cases to relate uh, to Brett Kavanaugh. And of course, this underscores for Republicans as well, what is at stake in this election? This could pertain a bit more to the Senate races because Mm -hmm. Republicans want to underscore for their voters, especially in these red Trump states uh, where you have Republicans running against incumbent Democrats, uh, that the Supreme Court is at stake, that this is one of the issues they're voting on and Republicans have believed and continue to believe that this is a really uh, big issue for their voters. You know, Harry, you wrote about the Florida Senate race, which I'm covering pretty closely. Uh, And it's interesting to see how both sides kind of handled the the machinations of this Kavanaugh situation. You know, neither 
uh, Rick uh, Scott, who's the incumbent governor, but is running, challenging Bill Nelson for the Senate. Uh, he did not uh, come out in support of Kavanaugh until the day after the hearing. Uh, and Bill Nelson didn't weigh in uh, to say that he wasn't going to support the Kavanaugh nomination until that point. Is it a dicey proposition in some of these swing states for, for either Republicans or Democrats to not take a firm stance on I, Kavanaugh? I, you know, it's. I think that politicians are doing what politicians do, and they're waiting to look at the polls. I guess they like the polls just like I do. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think that it's very interesting to see how the, you know, different Democratic incumbents in the Senate are reacting to this news. Joe Donnelly has come out against the confirmation, which I thought was very interesting because I would argue that he is one of probably the top three most endangered Democratic incumbents at this particular right, time. Right. So clearly he either had a heartfelt moment or he looked at the numbers and thought that it was worth the gamble to say that he was coming out against Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess the thing that I would note that is so interesting to me in all of this is that Americans actually believe both of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is something yeah. we've heard over and over again from Republicans as well, is they are not just trying to really discredit Ford, even the President of the United right. States. Nobody is. really has. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that may say something. You can believe Kavanaugh and also believe Ford, apparently. I mean, I'm looking at these numbers right now, and 46% of Americans say that Brett Kavanaugh is honest versus 43% that say he's not. And then you look at Ford's numbers. 59% say yes, 25% say no, but it does mean that there's sort of this... There are Some few people, people who believe both. Who yeah. seem to believe right. both, and yeah. it's kind of nuts in some way. How can that be? It has to be one or the other. And I think we are almost seeing that with the way that senators are reacting, whereby they're just not quite sure. I think especially Republican senators are getting pulled in one way by their partisan leadings, but I think that they also heard the testimony of Ford and believed her to be credible. Right. I was just before this taping on a call with Josh Hawley, the Republican Senate candidate in Missouri, he was speaking to reporters. And in the same breath, almost, he said that he has no reason not to believe what Dr. Ford said, that she seemed sincere. Uh, and then he mentioned Kavanaugh as someone who's being falsely accused. Yeah, yeah. And he was really able to say that in the span of a how few can, how minutes. Can, how can that, at the same, those two things both be the, Exactly. Be those yeah. two things cannot and is there really a, a benefit, Harry? I, I, I think of Joe Manchin. You know, the president was just in West Virginia, crushing Manchin for uh, his role in all of this. Uh, is there really any benefit to him taking a stance until there's ultimately resolution, until he's actually standing on the floor? Because what if the nomination gets pulled right, exactly. two days before? Right. And he's, and, you know, it's almost better for somebody like him to wait until he actually has to well, make what, his vote, right? What, what was the old saying when they were doing the health care votes? It'll either be, you know... 25 Republicans will, you know, flow in and say that they're voting no or will pass by two or will fail by like 25 or something like right, that right. because they're waiting to see what everyone else mm -hmm. is doing. I think you're probably seeing something similar along those lines. I mean, look, Republicans have 51 seats in the United States Senate. That gives them a majority for those at home. <laughs> and that means that if you had all the Republicans going, then this nomination would pass. And when I'm looking at it more in general, if I didn't have the polling data, well, actually, if I did have the polling data, but I didn't have sort of the understanding of how Republicans, senators are reacting, I would say this nomination would pass based upon uh, past nomination fights. Uh, I think that, you know, Manchin's interesting to keep an eye out on, but obviously the three most important senators most likely are Collins, 
Murkowski, and Flake. Flake right. right. And so, Ryan, you brought up a few minutes ago this question of, well, what happens, politically speaking, if Kavanaugh either, you know, is forced to withdraw right. and they must nominate someone new or mm-hmm. this drags on past Election Day? This, uh, based on the Republicans I've spoken to, is sort of the nightmare scenario because their big fear, obviously, is losing the majority, number mm-hmm. one. Could they be in a position where they suddenly don't have the votes to confirm their nominee? And number two, they feel like this is m- much more energizing of an issue with Kavanaugh uh, in place with Republicans fighting for his nomination as opposed to Republicans seeding their ground on this and then saying, well, you know, Amy Coney Barrett is She's just as good yeah. or, you know, name your nominee. Right. Uh, they feel that their voters will not be as Well, I think there will be an interesting scenario that plays out. If for some reason the Kavanaugh nomination falls apart, they can't get somebody in place before the midterms. They lose the Senate. And then we're in a Merrick Garland situation here again where technically Mitch McConnell will have the votes until January 1st to push another nominee through. But then do the Susan Collins and the Lisa Murkowski's of the world say, hang on a second. Right. You know, we can't push this through. And we told them that was the excuse. And could you go through the whole hearing process? I mean, it would be a disaster for Republicans. Yeah, I mean, it would two months to basically get a Supreme Court judge. Of course, you know, what it take him? How many seconds to fix the health care bill? So I never... <laughs> yeah, I never right, right, right. We can't. It's a really difficult issue. Oh, wait a minute. We have the votes. We're voting tomorrow. Right, Yay. right, right. Um, the one thing that I always keep in the back of my head about, though, is go back to the tax cut bill um, in 2017. And remember how unpopular that polled. But then they passed it. The popularity went up. Yeah. Trump's numbers went up. And Republicans on the generic congressional ballot went up. Winning means a lot to Donald Trump, and people who vote for Donald Trump, Republicans, seem to like winning as well. Mm -hmm. And so I would not dismiss the possibility that even if the polling right now indicates that Kavanaugh is not so popular, that merely by pushing him through, it could be seen as a victory for Republicans and their numbers may rebound a little bit. Right. And one of the most effective attacks we've seen against Republicans this year is the dysfunction argument that Mm -hmm. this Republican Congress can't get anything done. It's useless having them there. Let's send someone new. But if Republicans, at least on the Senate side, can show a few weeks before election day that, hey, we're actually here to do some stuff, then maybe voters will change their mind on that issue. Yeah. And I, I want to get back to the the impact that female voters are having on all of this. And it, it kind of springs off the conversation about Kavanaugh. And uh, there's a Republican strategist, Alex uh, Castellanos, who we all know. Everybody's talking about this blue wave, but he actually sees it more as a pink wave uh, because there are more female candidates on the ballot than there's ever been before. There appears to be a huge uh, bit of enthusiasm with women. Uh, women voters tend to be a lot more excited about this election. Harry, would you uh, agree that when you put all these factors together that it actually might be a pink wave that we see in November that ultimately determines who controls the House and maybe the Senate? I mean, look, I mean, yeah, obviously we have record numbers of women on the ballot, specifically Democratic women on the ballot. Yes, Democrats are doing exceedingly well with uh, women voters and the gender gap, the difference between uh, how women are voting and how men are voting is very large. But I, and so I agree with all of that. I will say, though, even looking, you know, at the Ford numbers, for example, the biggest split isn't gender. It is partisanship. Mm-hmm. And we know in the past that when you have a Republican president, Democrats are more likely to turn out in a midterm election than when you have a Democratic president. And I would say it's not just the fact that women are voting for Democrats in such high numbers. It's also the fact that even if men are voting for Republicans, they are not doing so to the same extent that they did 
two years ago, at least as the polls indicate so far. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems for Republicans in any election is that women uh, are more likely to vote. They're more regular voters. And so if women are more amped up in general in this election cycle about Democrats, they're the ones who are more likely to turn up and actually cast their ballot on Election Day. Well, that doesn't help Republicans. Mm. Well, the one thing I'm amped up for is this podcast. So what kind of wave is that? That's like, what would you call that, Harry? What kind of wave is that? Uh, that's called a pod wave. A pod wave. A, a pod, pod wave. wave. We're, yeah. we're riding the pod wave. We're going right. to go out into the Potomac River. Uh, we're <laughs> just, gonna... like, just like, who was that House candidate who filmed a surfing ad this cycle? There was someone in Southern California. It wasn't Dana Rohrabacher in well, spite of his Tulsi surfing. Tulsi Gabbard did that at one time, didn't she? And in Hawaii, didn't she do a surfing ad? That, yeah, is, that like is sort that. of a prerequisite for yeah. serving yeah. the people in, of Hawaii, yeah. Yeah. just knowing how to but surf. I think we should all go out to the Potomac, create some waves there. We'll try our surfing. I might actually boogie board. That's really the only thing I can do. I have a problem standing on land, let alone on water. So uh, let, we'll keep it safe. I've actually never surfed. Isn't that shameful? What? I'm from San, from San Diego. And I've never That's surfed. A, I'm from Buffalo. Of course, I've never surfed. But I was I was just waiting my life for this moment with you two to really learn. To, you're in trouble if, if Harry and I are going to be the ones that teach you how to surf. All right. Well, we so uh, hope you enjoyed uh, this episode of The Forecast with Harry Enton. Uh, and if you haven't yet, uh, please take a few seconds to subscribe. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, and the other thing we want you to do is leave us a rating or a review. Tell us what you like, what you didn't like. Find us all on Twitter. Leave us positive ratings. Right. We don't need no, no negative ratings. <laughs> positive ratings only. <laughs> only positive. Fives and five fives. Right. Yes. And, and find us on Twitter. Tell us what you think on Twitter. Uh, special thanks to our producers, Amy Eason and Emma Seslowski. And we will see you next time.